And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. And welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Rosso, certified financial planner here with Danny Ratliff, certified financial planner. And uh, we're so glad you're here. Hope everybody is driving safe. And it's, uh, well, you know it, the weekend. If there is such a thing. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> it's just merely the end of the week. Perfect. Or as Connie likes to say, the beginning of the work weekend. <laughs> and we got a lot of earnings that have come out so far. And, uh, Obviously, every quarter we play this little game where the bar set low and the companies beat it. But I will tell you, some have been relatively impressive. Um, and what's important, Danny, I think guidance has been good, which I was wondering how that would look. You know, as stimulus checks and we see retail sales hit records and GDP was in excess of 6%, uh, you just wonder when the sugar high is going to be over. Boy, I've heard... I mean, I've heard some crazy stories about what people are doing with their with their stimulus checks. What's the craziest thing you've heard? Someone spent it all on lottery tickets. <laughs> well, that's that's I, the first one. I haven't heard that one yet. Yeah, just because you know the money was there. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, like two out of every five stories I've heard have been people just blowing the money Purely. on stuff. Okay. You know, not like necessities. So that just shows you that. Uh, when the big government gets involved and they start throwing money out there um, and not really sort of try to find a way to see who needs it or not. Um, it is what it is. Uh, so obviously a lot of that wound up in the economy. So the the big question is going to be, well, heck, once this honeymoon's over, people want to get out and we go back into sort of a normal, whatever that is, routine, what does the economy look like? I would dare to say, Danny, the bond market... It's telling us something very different from the stock market in the perspective. And by the way, Michael wrote a really great article about the stock and bond market uh, yesterday, a couple of days ago. It's a really good article about what the bond market and the stock market are saying about things. But I think the bond market is trying to tell us is that this we're pretty much going to get through this honeymoon stage and then fall back into somewhat of a malaise um, with all the debt we've taken on. So with GDP, that would be sort of would be back to where we were, 1.8, maybe 2 percent. There's no new. This is the beginning of something different. The new 80s, all of this, this talk. Um, we are just really rebounding, not expanding. It's a very two different terms. Um Again, I still think we'll be healthier than the rest of the world. So relatively speaking, we're still going to be the cleanest, dirty shirt. It is really more based on the fact that uh, other countries look so badly. I mean, the EU had negative GDP. Uh, I've read some really disconcerting kind of stuff about China and their demographics. And demographics, that is the economy. That is the growth of the economy. And our demographics aren't very good. Um, so again, there's some major structural cracks that take time to work through. So the bond market, I think, is trying to say is, hey, once the honeymoon's over and the euphoria build, well, it, it, it 
what what's left. Yeah, and just recently, I think we've seen a major change and shift in the bond market because rates have been much higher. We have seen them That's creep right. back up from a 10-year perspective. Um, but so yesterday I had a phone call, Rich, and mm -hmm. he said, hey, I have a family member has a CD coming due. The, the bank wants to basically renew them at like 0.09. 0.09. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. And so he said, hey, what, what do you, can you find anything? Can you go on at one of your custodians and find something better? And I said, yeah, you know, let me, let me go poke around. I'll see if, what I can find out there. Mm -hmm. So went first to um, Fidelity. Okay. And started looking at rates. I thought, whoa, this isn't good. Um, they had a one year. The top rate they had was 0 0.10. 18 month, 0.15. Three year, 0 0.30. Four year, 0 0.50. So I started saying, okay, let's go look at the banks, uh, like the online banks. They, they can pay a little bit better from time to time. We always talk about that, yeah. right? Because relatively speaking, they should be doing better Correct. than your brick and mortar. Correct. Yeah. So I went to Marcus, uh -huh. and uh, they had 0. 0.50 for their savings account. That's not bad. For their CD, it was 0. 0.55. Really? But, but what this would indicate is that they're not buying it. So like we talked about smart money being the fixed income market. Oh, you mean they're not letting go? or selling these bonds, or we're not seeing rates move, to your point. Yeah. Well, no, they, they've I, been much higher. I mean, even in the, over yeah. the last several months, I mean, you've yep. been able to go out and find something better than what we have right now. Yes. And so this would indicate <clears throat> to me, like you mentioned, maybe they're just not buying it. I, I think, you know, again, there's, there's a bit of other things in the soup of bonds, um, purchases from overseas and so forth. But I do agree with you that I think the bond market is trying to say, uh, guys, this... This actual explosive kind of growth we're seeing, uh, sort of transitory, we will fall into more of a normal phase. And when we look at earnings of where these companies are as far as PEs, not that anybody cares about price to earnings anymore. Um, I mean, you're, push, you're pulling in from the future, you know, maybe five years to a decade's worth of growth that these companies have to sort of fit into. It's like, it's like you, you, I don't know if you ever remember this. Brett probably would. Do you remember going to get new shoes for a holiday? Oh, yeah. And mom, you know, they would put your foot in that steel thing to yes. get your size. But yes. then they would, and mom would say something like, well, make it a little bigger because he'll grow into them. Right. I think they still use those, Rich. You just probably haven't had to use one in like 40 years. <laughs> I haven't. I don't go to shoe stores anymore. <laughs> um, but the point is, it's almost like, these these companies have these huge shoes, right? And their feet are earnings, and they they their feet have to grow into the shoes. And I don't know how long that's going to take for that to happen. How do you like that leap this morning? Very good. Being up since yeah. two a.m. Stuck your foot in that one. Didn't I, you? Uh, yeah, I sure did. Obviously, I'm going to get one of those steel things. Yeah. Put it on Danny's seat, so when he sits, he's got a real <laughs> thrill. But you know, those it, things it, hurt. Let me shocking. tell you, I got, my grandmother almost hit me in the head with one of those things at the store. You know, those things were like weapons. <laughs> they, they could be. You know, that's one thing that technology is something that really hasn't changed. Think that's amazing. Who makes those? I mean, I mean, the company who makes those, that guy's got to be the richest guy in the world. He doesn't say a word. His name was Tom McCann. Oh, I could smell a McCann coin coming. Yeah. New token. Are you being serious? Of course not. No, but you never know if that it's was the Friday morning. But you never okay. know Tom's if Tom McCann was well part of the original yeah. well, you know, kind of thing. You, so. you never know. Brent's an encyclopedia of information, so yeah, it's like, hey, okay. He is, I, he is like, like the, word for he's like the Yoda of stuff we don't care about. I remember Tom McCann's shoes though. 
Oh, I was going to talk. Right? You said you remember Tom McCann. I mean, you were pretty young at well, the time. Well, we were, we were soul brothers. Well, yeah. <laughs> remember Buster Brown with the little dog? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I have nightmares from shoe stores going puppies. with my parents every time Easter was about to come. Oh, my goodness. So companies have to grow into the shoes of these earnings. And I think that's going to be important for us to see once we get through this phase. And, Danny, there is a lot of pent-up demand. People don't care. They want to get out there. They want to get their stuff done. You know, CDC is a bad, bad word. Nobody cares. You know, people are getting vaccinated. They're like, I don't understand what's going on. They're eating in restaurants. They're getting out there. I think it lasts through the summer, possibly the fall. Let's see what happens. But the bond market's not buying that it's long term and there's some new paradigm that we're getting into. Hey, we get back. We want to talk a little bit about IRS is to fix the inherited IRA guidance that frankly confused us and uh, made things make. I'm going to try to clarify that for you when we return here on The Real Investment Show. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. Didn't get enough last lunch and learn? We're serving up a second helping at our next free virtual lunch and learn with Medicare on the menu. Thursday, May 6th at noon, we'll sink our teeth into the alphabet soup of Medicare, parts A, B, and D. Understanding sign-up periods, benefits, and how to avoid costly permanent late enrollment penalties. It's a second helping edition of our lunch and learn on Medicare, Thursday, May 6th. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. No masks required. The Real Investment Show. a dose of good news here today. Um, There was a study from the Employee Benefit Research Institute. They do a long-running study on worker confidence for retirement. And um, about three-quarters of U.S. workers and retirees believe they will have enough money for retirement. Um, So among workers, 72% are very confident in their ability to retire comfortably, up from 63% last March. Um, so the level is one of the highest it's been since 1993. I will tell you what's interesting about this study, Danny, the confidence and the dependency, no matter where these workers fall on their incomes for Medicare and social security to be there for them. So it just shows the importance of planning properly for these social safety nets. Even people who have done a great job managing debt, who have done an incredible job saving, find that when we run their plans for social, when social security is included, it really takes them over the edge. If they were, if they had, say, I mean, it's, let's just say if they had an 80 to 85% probability of success, this brings them all the way to close to 100% of success in retirement. And these are really good savers because it's a guaranteed income. So, um, retirees, workers need and want and believe Social Security and Medicare will be there. And that is why it cannot go away. It can't. 
So we did a social security um, lunch and learn, and that was very successful. We are going to do a second helping. We're going to do a Medicare lunch and learn, and that's going to be on Thursday the 6th at 12 o'clock. This is a live virtual free Zoom meeting. So this is different than our candid coffee, right? Because Danny and I are actually going through some of the formalities of the alphabet soup of Medicare. A, B, D, Medicare Advantage. Just to give you a surface level kind of overview on the process. We do these in the office. We're going we're gonna to start these up in the office again, but you know our space is limited too, so we're going to do both. Uh, but I'm excited about this Medicare one. I think that... Uh, I think it's important for people to get a handle. If you are three months from your 65th birthday uh, or close to your 65th birthday or even closer to that than that, you really need to attend. You'll get the real good alphabet soup. Well, if, if oh. you're close to retiring and you're over 65, um, you mm -hmm. have a special enrollment period. Yes. If you have time, there's job changes or you've been on COBRA. I mean, many different things that you need to think about, right? That's right. So we're going to discuss all of that, what that means to you, and make sure that you don't incur permanent penalties. Because if you don't sign up correctly, newsflash, it can be really detrimental from a, <laughs> yeah. from a premium perspective because those premiums could be much higher than you expect because they can penalize you for it. Yeah, I would so, tell you, the, the IRS is direct. I mean, let's put it this way. Medicare, Social Security, they're not going to, if you mess up and you wait and you fall off the proper enrollment period and you have late enrollment penalties on your premium, that's 10%. There's uh, no redos here either. There's no, they, it, I'm gonna tell you, there's no pleading with the IRS, I forgot, whatever it is, I made a mistake, these are permanent. And roughly about the, I guess the average premium for Medicare Part B is up about 30%, because again, we have, because of people that have missed. Well, the average penalty, correct. The average penalty yeah. is 30% because of people who have really haven't made a good decision. In all fairness, it is not communicated very well. There have been acts out there to make sure people getting close to Medicare understood the rules, make it clearer. Uh, but it, again, poor job of doing that. So Danny and I try to, <laughs> try to make up for that uh, with this stuff. So now... That stretch IRA, I have my daughter, she's beneficiary on my IRA. If I pass away, she's able to, she used to be able to take that money out over her life expectancy, right? So I'm getting, in essence, maybe the tax deferral over a longer period for her. It's a, it would be a small amount, her being 22 years old. Now the IRS came out last year, last December, well, December before last, and said, hey, no, we are going to change this up where your non-spouse beneficiary has to take this money out over 10 years. Uh, again, and I'm talking about a someone who's the age of majority, okay? If you have a minor who's a beneficiary, they are actually able to take it over their life expectancy up until the age of majority and then follow the 10-year rule. But this caused a lot of confusion because in Publication 590, they were talking about that you would have to almost make this a required minimum distribution over 10 years. In other words, there's a table, you take the money out. When we were all thinking, uh, and, and it was you know, the information we were given, um, is, hey, you know, I could take it out in year one. I can skip year two, take it out in year three. I could take it all out in year 10. In other words, I've got some flexibility. So there was a lot of confusion about, oh my gosh, you know, we got it wrong because the IRS now has something in there. Well, 
now, I guess, they are, uh, the recent IRS publication was obviously incorrect. Um, and now they're going to be looking at that. They're going to revise the guidance to reflect that su- such distributions that were ta- are taken just aren't following a 10-year rule, which is what it originally was. So we're going a little bit back and forth. So that recent IRS publication really caused a lot of confusion, thinking, oh, my gosh, we need a table. They have to take it every year. And I'm not saying it's maybe you don't have to take it every year, but it would be nice that you can mold it over a 10-year period. Because I think some people are going to be in for a big surprise, Danny, if if non-spouses inherit, because they can say, well, I haven't taken an haven't taken a distribution. You know, no one's coming after me. And then in year 10, bam, yeah. right? <laughs> I've got to take this all out. So it doesn't mean that you have to be lax with it. In some ways, the R&D would have been giving you a bit of discipline to know That's you have to take it out. So it's going to be up to you and your advisor, if you're a non-spouse beneficiary, to be very cognizant of this 10-year rule, uh, taking money from an inherited IRA. You know, I think that these guys have one job, literally one job. And they put out a publication, a formal publication stating that things are going to change. Then they're going to come back and say, well, never mind. We misinterpreted that. How do you misinterpret that if you're the guy who's setting the rules? But I do agree. I think this is, a, this is going to cause or could cause more confusion, whereas the discipline behind having to do those distributions could not be a terrible thing. I don't know. The IRS seems like they've got a lot of things that they need to clear up. But most important is we get the information, we supply it to you, and then we have to change it because that's changed. And some of us were in a bit of a panic going, oh, my gosh, now it's going to be new tables and all that. Um, Well, that's the thing, right? They never typically make it easier. This will actually make it easier in the sense that you're not going to have to calculate each and every year. But you are going to have to remember that you have that 10-year time frame. To your point. Yeah. Usually when, when people ask me, hey, this happened and, um, you know, what do you think the IRS would do? And I said, ask yourself this question. Is it in your favor or their favor? And then you pretty much have your answer. You don't have the specifics of the answer, but you know the odds of it working out for you are not going to be very good. I just think you need to go with those kinds of rules overall. I mean, so. I think that's with anything in life, especially with, when it comes to big government. <laughs> oh, man. Well, speaking of big government, um, we are going to be um, in a storm of possible new taxes. Uh, we are looking at, um, you know, again, we don't know what actually is going to go through here, Danny. But we have been talking about for at least three years, taxes are going higher based on demographics and the dependency on social safety nets. And we are going to see uh, changes coming. And we have to prepare for those changes. And one of them is on capital gains taxes. All right, where um, it's going, you know, we're going to look at more than a double the current capital gains rates. To help people understand, generally speaking, your long-term capital gain taxation rate is lower than ordinary income, right? So, and there are a lot of reasons for that, right? Try to spur small business, whatever it might be to uh, create innovation. But now we're going to be looking at not only a proposed increase in the top marginal rates for those earning more than 400000 or households earning more than 400000 so that's 200000 each, 
but also capital gains tax increases for investors earning more than a million dollars a year. So if I go from 37% to 39.6%, then um, I'm going to have, um, I have Medicare, I can also have a Medicare tax. I'm going to be up to 43.4%. If I am in a state that taxes me locally, as well as state tax, right, I'm going to be looking at over 50 well, think about this for, for business owners, for people who have built wealth over time and, and worked hard. At Small businesses. Things. Yeah. Not, yeah. Well, their, their current rate at this level would be 23.8 with the Obamacare tax on top of it, right? Because long-term capital gain right. rates, take, they top off it. Right. But you have the, the Medicare surtax. Correct. Right. But with that Medicare surtax, you're looking at 23.8. So you are almost doubling mm -hmm. the amount of tax here. And if you don't think that's going to affect behavior... You're absolutely wrong. Oh, this is not a good thing. No. I mean, I understand even some of the marginal rate increases. I even understand the payroll tax increases to, 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 to sort of, you know, bolster Social Security because it's, people depend on it so much. This one, I don't know, not really. I'm not really getting it. And I think the bond market's also looking at this as well. So what? What? Wh where are people going to move their money? Well, one is... Municipal bonds, tax-free bonds, that's going to be a big thing, right? People are going to be looking at, and we're going to talk about this on the other side of the break, but you have to think about if you're one of those people where taxes are going to increase, especially capital gains, how is that going to change your behaviors or how you invest? We'll talk about it a bit on the other side of the break on The Real Investment Show. I am a man of constant sorrow. any place, anytime, at realinvestmentadvice.com. Didn't get enough last Lunch and Learn? We're serving up a second helping at our next free virtual Lunch and Learn with Medicare on the menu. Thursday, May 6th at noon, we'll sink our teeth into the alphabet soup of Medicare, parts A, B, and D. Understanding sign-up periods, benefits, and how to avoid costly permanent late enrollment penalties. It's a second helping edition of our Lunch and Learn on Medicare, Thursday, May 6th. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. No masks required. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. So we've just discovered that the metal shoe thing weapon that used to be used in shoe stores that my grandmother would chase me around with was called the Brannock device. And actually, thanks to Pat, yeah. he told us. But I'll tell you, that's even scarier name because it sounds like I am coming after you with the Bra the Brannock device. That sounds like a bad movie, sci-fi movie from the 70s mm -hmm. where how robots eat people. How would you like to have the Brannock procedure? Yes, that's what you. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> so the name lives up to its fright. Mm -hmm. Oof, goodness. It acts like it's some torture chamber. <laughs> We're measuring feet here. Come on, Rich. 
had a vivid imagination as a child. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> and when your grandma's chasing you with it, it's a weapon. <laughs> All right? Yeah, true. Yeah. Why? True. Because, Grandma, why do I need to wear shoes that are two times the size of... Shut up! <laughs> Pull right out of Sal's hand to hit me with it. Um, so, yeah, and I'm very well adjusted. So I want to help you understand is we got a great question about housing and, you know, is it a bubble or what's going on? Let me tell you, this is the weirdest period of time I have ever been in this business over 30 years where, okay, 2008, we know what it was, right? We know what kind of crisis we had. We had a banking crisis and then we had a tech crisis in the tech bubble. But if I, you know, if I own consumer staple stocks, I was okay. Um, this, you, you know, it's almost like when you got your, your garden hose on, but imagine that garden hose, you know, that end of it and, and the water, imagine if that water was coming out, it just, it, it, it was three times the pressure. That's the kind of liquidity we have. The water is going everywhere from all the liquidity, right? So everything is distorted in price. I have a client who's a realtor, and she said to me yesterday, she goes, Rich, you wouldn't believe what's going on. I mean, if you wave in appraisals, people are waving, you know, yeah. because to buy homes. They're just making, she goes, I can't advise my clients to do this. But people are making crazy decisions to buy homes. But it's not just housing, right? It's stock market. And it's crypto. And it's tokens. Do you know, okay, this is what killed me. There's something called virtual land. In other words, you create this, like my kid has something called The Sims as a kid on the computer when she mm -hmm. was a child. And you can make all these little towns and, you know, municipalities and homes. Well, now they do it through the blockchain uh, or, and, and they create these kingdoms and so forth and they are selling them. Like you would an acre of land, like real land. They had a guy that bought like some kingdom but a castle for like 450000 I mean, in dollars, not, not Bitcoin currency. The, I mean, I don't understand it at all. In other words, it's I've got cash. Let's create something. Let's build supply and demand. We'll, 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 we'll play amongst each other with this until it breaks. And I don't really, I've never really seen anything like this. And I didn't say that in 2008, and I didn't say, even though I was like, my gosh, this is strange for the housing market. I've never said everything is getting distorted by this monetary and now fiscal policy. And I don't really know. Lance and I were talking about it yesterday morning. I don't know how it unwinds from here. But if I know if I'm going to buy a home today, I'm probably going to wait. You know, I'm looking to move. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> Where right now, there is a house in my neighborhood, and I'm going to tell you something. I live in a very modest neighborhood, okay? Um, houses, maybe the top end are like 320, 350, whatever, right? This guy's trying to sell his house for $590,000 in my subdivision. And you know my subdivision is pretty old, mm -hmm. right? Because people are saying, I can try, like he renovates this house. And I remember when the house wasn't renovated. 500, there's no way in heck this guy is going to get 590000 for this house. Well, and, but he's going to try. The neighbors need to have a talk with him because yeah. if he succeeds, what's going to happen is the county is going to come along and say, aha, this oh, house he'll sell for a, a whole half, wave of. Yeah. 
And so everybody else's taxes are going to go up because of the way that they assess but, real estate taxes in Texas. Well, it's, but it's, it's, it's he happening is everywhere. double what it should be. I mean, again, that's ridiculous. Things we're seeing crazy things, and the toughest part about anything you do with money, stocks or anything else, you have to re, you have to keep a cool head. Um, it's not easy. But like I think you have to. Uh, it's just crazy. Well, there's more to this, though, too. I what? mean, if you start thinking about this, I was visiting with a, a real estate agent uh-huh. who's a client this week, and we were talking about just this. And he was having phone calls saying, hey, you do realize you're going to have to go over the, the asking price. Oh, yeah, you're you, not, you, you have house, to offer the, you right? have to offer more, right? Like you said, there's people who are, who are saying, hey, we're going to waive the appraisal. We're going to have to come up with additional funds if it doesn't appraise. Uh, you're setting limits. Significant down payment. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we, we were, he was just showing me some stuff and, uh, and I'm in no, no place to buy, I don't want to go buy a house. I have a house. Uh, but we were talking about some of these things in like Galveston area, beach houses. He said he saw one that was, it was listed for, it well, bought two years ago for 850 and it's on the market for 1.2. He said, he asked the guys, like, what are you thinking here? He goes, oh, I'm thinking what everybody else is thinking. I'm trying to get all I can out of it. And that's, I think, what we're seeing. But I think we're able to do so for a couple of reasons, right? There's such a distortion in the supply chain. I mean, look at the price of lumber. So all these new houses are still going up, ultra low interest rates. And you're having to pay, you know, lumber's up like 200 and something percent. Uh huh. And so you're having to pay that much more just to build your house, meaning that that house is going to now be more expensive. So everybody else is saying, well, hey, if these prices, are there, these houses are going for this, our own homes now that we own have they've been inflated as well. Yes. So how does how does that come out of the the supply chain will even out over time. But how does that come back out of home prices? That's what I that's, you know that's just I, some of the thought process I've thought. I don't know cuz like Lance I like told Lance what my house was worth now it's like $260,000 and I'm like this is crazy for my house. Yeah. I, I mean, and where am I going to go? Because anything I look at gonna is be... overinflated anyway. So I'm Correct. just going to stay put and wait for all of this to see what the key as is. things mo- moderate, yeah. supply chains moderate. I, I would, I would I, say I, to anyone buying a home right now, there's so much speculation in the market. If you're going to buy it, this is going to be your home. Hold, you're going to have to expect to live here for an extended you, period of time. You better be planning to make over your money seven back. years, right? Yeah. As opposed to normal stay. And you better be planning to put quite a bit of money down because you might be underwater. Could be. You, I mean, you never know because nobody's getting appraisals, right? If, if, not nobody. I'm saying, but there's a people that are buying homes without appraisals. And if you have more than half a percent down, the bank's going to give you the loan because you're, 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 putting, you're, you're taking on a lot of risk for it to buy this house. So if you're just a normal home buyer and you want to put five, ten percent down, um, you got to compete against all these people that have more cash and appraisal and all that stuff that you will need to bank will require you to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody comes in with you know thirty five percent down payment, pays full price, says you know we don't need an appraisal for that because I was putting down four thirty five or cash, yeah, yeah, or cash. So. Um, it's very challenging. So I, I've always known during challenging times to stay put yeah. and wait for things to clear. Um, uh, you know, it's just like what we do with the market. I mean, you're not going to go ahead and sell your home just because you can get a great price for it unless you're going to look, and Lance would do this, look to rent <laughs> until prices come back. But that's very disruptive to most people. They're not going to do that. Um, at least we are, when we invest in the market and we understand the distortion, we're at the party. 
you know, we're all talking. We've got the punch bowl and Brent's talking about, you know, his 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 incredible fancy date at Lupi Tortilla. And, uh, you know, we're all talking hobnobbing. And but we're looking for the exit. We know where the exits are. We know the path to it. But we're still going to be at the party. But if you're going to buy, buy a home, to your point, Danny, you better be planning not only maybe to put more down and be willing to maybe forego inspections, which I think is crazy, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, right? I don't think anybody's uh, going foregoing expect- inspections. I think it's the appraisal. No, but inspections, too. My, my real... Really? Talk, yeah, she says, you know what? Some some home... Like, hmm. this guy's willing to buy it even without an, without an inspection, so... Man. That's where you get bit. I mean, you're going to get, right? You're going to get yeah. hurt. So if you're just like caught in the frenzy of I got to move and, you know, house prices are going up and all that, you might just want to sit it out for a bit. Well, it's just like buying wait. stock because it's gone up yes, and not, and not that, looking at the numbers. But you know what's the best part? Because I never have a look at real estate. With a stock, at least I can sell it. I can get out. True. If I make a bad mistake with real estate, and I can't find another buyer, I could sit on that thing for how long? But you could, but for a very, very long time. And then I still have to pay my mortgage and all this other stuff. But it's similar with the stock. You can just get out of it quicker. It's just going to be at what price can you actually get out? Right. But at least I like to point get out. So yeah. liquidity, illiquidity. But to Danny's point, which is very good, you better be willing to stick around at least a decade um, if you're buying a house today. Uh, that would be, I think, really sage advice. Um, also, if part of this uh, Biden tax bill would be to remove step up in basis. Yeah. So <laughs> that's a game changer. That's a game changer, right? Because they're saying, hey, that only affects the very wealthy. Uh, no, it doesn't. Well, no, it doesn't. Think about all the life insurance policies that are being bought right now to cover estate planning in the future of what that may or may not look like. What's going to happen when this is another caveat? You got to yeah. start thinking about the step up in cost basis and the additional taxation from that, not just from the estate tax. So you may not be, you may not have enough wealth for the estate tax, but you may have a lot of wealth in a home, in a land, piece of property. Yeah, and exactly. The one thing I'd advise anybody is make sure when you do this, do it within a financial plan so you know and understand exactly what you may or may not need. This isn't something we just throw something out there, but we'll talk more about that when we get right back. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. We'll be right back after this quick break. Listening to the Real Investment Show. Didn't get enough last lunch and learn? We're serving up a second helping at our next free virtual lunch and learn with Medicare on the menu. Thursday, May 6th at noon, we'll sink our teeth into the alphabet soup of Medicare, parts A, B, and D. Understanding sign-up periods, benefits, and how to avoid costly permanent late enrollment penalties. It's a second helping edition of our lunch and learn on Medicare, Thursday, May 6th. Register now at Real Investment advice.com no masks required the real investment show and welcome back last segment um so we were talking about the possible or the thought of 
higher capital gains tax, how would that change the behavior of a business person or how would I invest, right? So first of all, it will make, I think, Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks much more popular because my distributions will be tax-free, mm-hmm. right? Because if my capital gains are going to be taxed as close to my ordinary income, um, I, I lose some of the benefits of just having a regular brokerage account unless I'm owning, say, for example, municipal bonds, right? I'm, I'm very tax-efficient, um, but still, it's still not going to be the same as tax-free on distribution. So I expect to see really big... And we again, all of a sudden, it just seems that as we talk about Roth, Roth's gotten more popular because you forsake tax benefits today for tax benefits or benefits tomorrow. And while you have the money to pay taxes, while you're working at a human capital machine compared to when you're retired and you don't really have the money to pay the taxes and you're not earning um, or unless you think, one, you're going to fall into the lowest tax bracket. I have proven that eight out of ten times. It's a myth. Plans show it. This is old advice given by advisors through the greatest bull market in history, where tax deferral was this huge snowball. And people lived simpler and costs weren't as high or whatever it might be. But you're not going to fall to the lowest tax bracket. And if you are, you're living very small. And that's okay. I could do it. Most people cannot do it, and I don't blame them, okay? So you're not going to fall into the lowest tax bracket. Or or you say yeah, you are, or you think also taxes are going to go lower. You think taxes are going to go down in the future. What are the odds of that, Danny? <laughs> hmm. Well, I think we're seeing what's happening right now. Now, they may come down from where they are right now. And look, we have to take all this with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. This will likely be a little different than what they're they're throwing out. Oh, absolutely. They're going to throw the highest and worst thing out there, and then they're going to they're going to and work back taper it down from there. Correct. But even if we do nothing, the current tax rates, the larger marginal rates, 24 percent, they will sunset. They're going to sunset at the end of twenty twenty five, and an astute administration, regardless of the side of the aisle, will say, "Hey, um, we're just going to let those sunset." That's not our decision. That was a prior administration's decision. Mm-hmm. We're just going back to the way taxes were. See, they're going to benchmark you or anchor you to those tax rates because we knew they were coming back anyway. But that is going to be a tax increase for you. <laughs> and I think whatever administration's in, Danny, they're going to have to make the tough decision to let those sunset based on all the stimulus and all the debt we've taken on. I think they're going to... Even if, say, it's a Republican administration and they don't want them to sunset, that they, I think they're going to have to. I don't think Someone's we're going to have to make a tough far, but yeah. No, I know. I'm just saying is if, if like you said, if they, do they never, nothing happens and we get to that point. Because remember, that's not just for people making 400000 or more, right? Or a million or more or whatever, how these, they grab these numbers out of space. It's going to affect everybody when these tax, uh, marginal tax rates sunset oh yeah and if the standard deduction goes back to what it was half of what it is today half of what it is today that's also a big impact and uh that's going to be interesting to see um how it transpires don't jump the gun 
don't be making, imp, you know, just impromptu or, you know, very just decisions off the top of your head. You run a plan. You try to figure out what the landscape's going to look like and make intelligent decisions. I will tell you, it is tough not to get emotional about. And I, I notice people, they're, they're extreme about everything today. I mean, like somewhere you got to think in the middle and keep a cool head with everything that you do. Um, there's just been an emotional battering <laughs> to, 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 to the society since we've locked down. You know, they got all these studies about how loneliness has, has become part of, you know, the society, what's happened during the people losing touch mm-hmm. with other people, um, not being able to visit, losing loved ones. I mean, this, the long-term impact of a lot of these things. Um, so emotionally, we're all on our, we're all on uh, our tippy toes here. We're trying to, and at the same time, make intelligent decisions with our money. Not easy to do. No, not not when we see asset prices doing what they're doing. You know, it's we have conversations every day with people who, you know, questions about cryptocurrency, about real estate, like you mentioned. Um, you want to you know, buy a kingdom? Prices. You can buy a virtual kingdom. A virtual kingdom. Now, this is new to me. I have not heard of this. Yeah, look up virtual land gains. Uh, virtual, virtual land, land vir- gains. Virtual land for sale. Take a look. And whatever sanity Danny, Danny's got left, it'll be over by the end of the show. If he's I mean, I'm just curious, like, so what's the purpose of buying this? I don't know. That's my point. I, I have no idea. Like, what what am I going to do with it? Well, everybody's going to live in their, their altered world. That's what it maybe it is. It's like, you are, this person really developed this kingdom. It's got roads. I mean, look, in other words, it's got better infrastructure than we do out here in the virtual world. I mean, what am I going to do? Immerse myself into the, what is this, Tron? <laughs> what am I, I don't understand. And I don't understand paying a dollar for it. Bad enough, 400000 a million dollars for this stuff. I, oh, yeah. I, hey, I, I've got a mansion in a pool. It's virtual. In Decentraland. It, well, oh, where, oh, is that what county is that in, Danny? Uh, in Sano? Yeah, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, but that sounds really... Hey, you single guys, I got a really good pickup line for you. Danny just used it. Hey, I got a house and a pool. Where you is see it again? my pool. Where is it again? Decentraland. It's in Decentraland. It's my own. heard of it. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. That's just, it's. On February 9th, the world woke to the news that a piece of virtual land, nine adjacent blocks on blockchain marketplace and gaming platform Axie Infinity has just sold for a record breaking sum. Hold on. Of roughly $1.5 million. I am going to pull whatever hair I had in my head right now. <laughs> Brent, $1.5 million. One and a half mil? For yeah. Decentraland. <laughs> but they they paid in, in Ether. <laughs> of course. You, you know what's going to shut all that down? Ether. What, what Real the, Ether. When the IRS comes and says... Oh, let me tell you something. There's like an $80 billion addition to the IRS in this. Into this, this oh, bill. Because yeah. the IRS is still using like the Zune or the first Apple or whatever they're using. Oh, for sure. You know, it's like everything's in code. In five years. Five to seven years. The money that they're leaving on the table with all this crypto, they're coming. They are going to come for you. Or there's going to be, and, and Yellen has already leaked it, talked about it, Powell, a Fed 
crypto, some form of crypto that is actually can be used. And another or this gets regulated. All I'm telling you is if you have anything crypto, you better be taking profits in real dollars that you're going to spend to buy like food, pay your. I, I was on the Reddit board the other day, and it's 23 year olds, 25 year olds. I'm retired. I'm retired. I, I'm. I'm. Yeah, I'm retired. I got all these tokens. I'm retired. I've got ten million dollars. Um, and I'm like, well, uh, how are you getting an income to pay your rent from that? Uh, ten no million. Answer. Ten million dollars in what? In like to you know crypto. You're okay. such a buzzkill, Rich. I, I am. I'm really. I should not be on these boards. Hey, I could figure that out. <laughs> but all these like millionaires with well, they're fungible tokens and mm. their NFT, all this stuff. And I'm like, well, have you convert? You know, so actually, when you when you have to oh, pay no. your rent, they're not taking Dogecoin. Your 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 landlord's not Doge taking that. Coin. Okay, Dogecoin. Dogecoin. Doge. Get it right. Die. I still doggy to me. I know I get corrected every time. It's great. We're coming up with Kitty coin. I Brent, saw that. Want that? Yeah, yeah, explain that. That's just you know Kitty, yeah. Kitty coin instead of doggy. Yeah, yeah, and you get a free, um, you get a free, uh, you know, tender vittles or, you know, or whatever with it's it. A free or somebody should come out with this. You think? Oh, if so, yeah. if Elon, if Elon Musk says I'm going to release Kitty coin mm -hmm. to complement. Dogecoin mm -hmm. by tomorrow. For all you cat lovers out there. Yeah, for all you cat lovers. You That's know. a whole new meaning for virtual scratch. What I'm saying is, with all the fiscal, with all the fiscal and monetary stimulus out there, the hose, the liquidity is busting through the hose, and it's going everywhere. It is going everywhere. Did you see the NFL dude that said he wants to get paid a salary in Bitcoin? No, no. I don't remember his name. Big, I mean, obviously, big guy. Yeah. Very articulate. But he's, so he goes, so the NFL goes, well, listen, listen, um, uh, I think it was the NFL. We're, we're going to pay you in dollars. You can convert it to whatever you but, want. But he goes, then you can, and he's converting all his salary wow. to Bitcoin. I mean, I, I mean, very articulate, had a very good rationale for why he was doing it. But I'm like, my goodness. Look, I, I'm, I'm not going to knock it. People are going to do I'm not going to knock it, do. and I don't think it's going away. It's just... But I don't want, I don't want my money in cash in something that's so speculative where it could be up substantially or down substantially. I want to invest the funds for something like that, right? So if it's an investment for a portion of what you have, fine. And wouldn't I be liquidating if I spent 10... If I, made t if I had 10,000 in Bitcoin and I made it, and it's now, whatever it is, 65000 wouldn't I be like selling and taking profits along the way and converting it to real dollars yeah. as opposed to getting greedy with it? But Rich, and you don't know how high it will go. Well, I'm going to buy the other property and what's that land again? Oh, well, there's Decentraland, Axie. They've, there's a bunch. Decentraland. Axie. The Sandbox. There is a big, it is now becoming a legitimate asset class. The Sandbox. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Kitaycoin could be used in the Sandbox. There you go. All right. Sounds like turds to me. Uh, listen, you all have a great weekend. See you next week here on The Real Investment Show. Be safe. Money, 
Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet. Sign up for the Real Investment Report now at realinvestmentadvice.com. It's a rich man's world.